Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Man, it feels like the week is rolling by. Maybe it's because I was on the road last weekend, you know, Arkansas. Spent, spent a couple days up there to see some family. It's always nice to do that. I stay really busy. When I get a chance to kind of let my hair down a little bit, which I guess it's always down, but um, it's nice, man. I went up there, went to Rogers, Arkansas, uh, saw the oldest kid and his wife and, and their, uh, their young baby, and uh, kind of recharges the tank a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it just re- refills the tank, recharges the batteries, whatever you want to say. But the reality of it is it's good to get out and, uh, man, got to have just a, you know, that's the thing about, I've learned about kids, you know, it's like when, you, when you're around them, you, you're not around them a whole lot, you want to spoil them as much as you can. So Saturday was a very busy day for us. Breakfast, top golf, lunch, football game, dinner, escape room. It's like, yeah, I'm getting old, you know, but it was still a full day. It was a great day. I'm glad to do it. I uh, love that whole area in northwest Arkansas. I really do. I mean, it's, it's very progressive. I guess the city planner's done a great job there. 
If you're in that neck of the woods, go out and enjoy that town. I, there's some, a lot of great shopping there, Rogers, Bentonville. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool place, it really is. I, I can see why you know, a lot of people want to move up there and, uh, and enjoy life. So look forward to making you know, several trips up there in the years to come. But um, glad to be back in Starkville. Had this discussion yesterday. You know, somebody's like, you know, about how much they like Starkville. I said, man, I love living here. I do. I, I love living in Starkville. Now, I'm not here every day, and I'm on the road some, and maybe because of the fact I get to travel some, you know, I, I appreciate Starkville a little bit more. But the thing that I have learned in the time that I have been here is just how great the people are. You know, we don't have a shopping mall here, and there's some things that are, you know, Maybe not always the way I'd like them to be, but that's going to be the case anywhere. But uh, there's just a charm and uh, you know, the familiar feeling of home when I'm here. You know, I mean, it's just I love it here. And uh, I know many of you guys do as well. And it's not just a great place to visit. It's a great place to live. You get a chance, come here and be a part of this. Not too many of you guys, though, because I don't want to have to wait for a table at the restaurant. It's already tough enough. But uh, you know, some of you guys move up here and be a part of this because there's just so many great things about Starkville. In addition to Mississippi State, you know, of course, Mississippi State, you know, the biggest employer, I guess, in, in the region. But uh, the reality of it is a lot of people here, man, that are really good folks. And uh, it, I don't think it's just because I'm in the media or perhaps I have a higher profile than most. I mean, it's just, you know, you talk to other people, you know, just John Q. Citizen, they'll tell you. Starkville is amazing. And when I'm gone, I miss it. I can't wait to get back. One of those things, too, I guess all those years of living outside of Mississippi, you know, it's like when I, when I point the car home, it's nice to know I'm coming back to where I'm from. I love being from Mississippi. I love being a Mississippian. Yep, we got a lot of problems here. Not as many as we had when I was a kid. We still got a long way to go. But the reality of it is, is that uh, there, there is just a grit about Mississippi State people and Mississippi people as a whole, for the most part, that I, that I have a real appreciation for. You know, people here don't mind working. They really don't. People respect the good effort. So there you go, my Chamber of Commerce speech of the day. You know, we've got a lot to discuss today. Of course, Mississippi State women's basketball team in action last night. The men today, it's also National Signing Day. Mississippi State expected to have four basketball signees. And we'll have full coverage of all that over at jeanspage.com as, as that begins to kind of roll out. So a lot to kind of keep up with. And I know it's like, Steve, you know, guys, I'm just kind of coming down from the World Series. We're in football season. Looks like we're going to be bowl eligible. I don't know if I'm ready for something else. Well, you better get ready. It's going to be a pretty good men's basketball team. You know, it's like I've seen some people, too, that, you know, there's sometimes some irrational exuberance. You know, it's like we want to kind of will things into existence. But I believe this is a tournament team. I think most people do. we got to get healthy. we got some guys that um, may not be back for a couple weeks, but uh, – it's a very talented team. If they can gel, kind of come together as a unit, they've certainly got the talent to make the tournament. They'll be in action tonight. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the show a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's we don't get a lot of time off. And some of our state fans kind of joke with Ole Miss people about that this summer. It's like, you know, that's the thing about being a state fan, man. It's a year-round deal. And there are people like, well, yeah, well, I cheer for my team too. You just don't cheer for them as often. You don't cheer for them as long as we do. Baseball season ends a little quicker in your neck of the woods. And so we get done with baseball, you know, July 4th weekend. We get done, get back from Omaha. It's time to celebrate our nation's independence before we can turn around and get all of our uh, national championship swag in from, the, you know, from our vendors. I mean, it's fall football camp. 
You know, we, we don't get any time off, right? And, and how great is that? I'd be remiss, too, if I didn't mention the Mississippi State volleyball team. I've had a few of you guys you know, message me about that and say, hey, Steve, you never talk about volleyball team. Well, it's not that I don't care. It's just I'm not used to talking about it. And, uh, you know, Julie Daugherty, Dennis, has done a great job at Mississippi State. You know, I had somebody tell me recently, when she got the job, she was basically told, hey, take this, make it your baby, make it your own. You know, we just don't want any trouble. Just go out there, recruit your, your players, implement your system, and look at what she's done. And listen, we've had some decent years at times, but um, this is an historic year for Mississippi State volleyball. And you're like, well, Steve, I don't watch a lot of volleyball. You know, I, I get it, but you love Mississippi State, right? You can jump on the fair-weathered fan bandwagon of volleyball. Man, they're 20-5. and 20-5, and 11-2 in the conference. That's good for second in the SEC, trending towards an NCAA tournament berth. I don't think there's any question at this point. Going to be back in action later this week against Tennessee. The, the ladies 11-1 and at home. And then 4-0 and on a neutral floor. It's pretty amazing to think about, right? They've done some incredible things. And you look at the schedule, you know, it's like, you know, we're almost at the end of this thing. So we'll host Tennessee Saturday and then turn around and play them on Sunday. Now, they're ranked number 24 in the polls. So this will be a, you know, a pretty good litmus test for our ladies. Glad we get this one at home. We'll travel to Arkansas. We're 5-4 and four on the road this year. Not a great road team. But we've won more than we've lost, obviously. And so we're at Arkansas. And then we get Auburn to close out the regular season slate. And so, yeah, this thing is winding down. But, you know, it's, there, there have been enough games played that I think we can all come to one realization. The Bulldogs are real. They are real. And I remember when Julie Darty got the job, you know, people were like, okay, okay, whatever, you know. And now all of a sudden, you see all this social media traffic from people that love Mississippi State and like, hey, look at this. Volleyball? Yeah, that's right. We've won eight matches in a row. It's incredible. So get out maybe when you're in town. Go check them out. It may be a new experience for you, but I know those ladies and that coaching staff would love to have your support. Maybe give them a tweet every once in a while. Maybe give them a follow on Twitter. Doing a great job, man. It's exciting. It really is. And there are a lot of things, you know, it's like we get so invested in, like, what we consider the major sports. You know, well, this is a major sport to those ladies and those coaches that invest so much of their time and energy into this. And so they should be rewarded. And in case you're wondering, I know many of you, it's like, you know, you kind of, you know, bank our success based on how we do against those folks up the road, just so you know. Uh, we beat Ole Miss, too. We did. We did. Beat them in soccer, too. You know. Need to win that trophy back there, right? We need to get the Egg Bowl trophy back. Need to get the Golden Egg back in Starkville. You know, it's, when you begin to look at the year, it's a pretty good year for Mississippi State against, uh, you know, our hated rivals uh, to the Northwest. But, uh, yeah, even the volleyball dogs getting it done and, uh, you know, clearly demonstrating our dominance over them in, uh, in athletics, and that's the thing that I've said before on this show. Ole Miss is not good at sports. I mean, I know many of you guys have a lot of friends, and they're involved in all that. They're just not good at sports. Maybe some good at some other things. I don't know what that would be, but they're not good at sports, and uh, we continue uh, to kind of run the show. All right, so let's get to it. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I will be having lunch there today. How about that? I'll be having lunch there today. Going to meet a good friend there. Going to have a good time. Going to have spring rolls. Not sure if I have the BLT salad or not. Probably eat a little lighter for lunch. I, yeah, I ate big last night. 
went to the uh, went to the grill and had a steak. And so now I'm going to go probably get a salad today, not because I'm soft, but because uh, I'm getting old. So you got to eat, you got to eat good, got to eat smart. And that's the thing is like you hear Bulldog Burger Company, you think, oh, well, you know, well, I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. I know the kids want a burger. What should I do? Well, there's so many options to choose from there. You can eat healthy at Bulldog Burger Company and you can eat fresh. That's one thing I love about the BLT salad. You know, like you go some places and they've got the prepackaged salads and it's just kind of like, eh, nah. Not a Bulldog Burger Company. They do a great job with that. Go by and check them out today. Again, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. You deserve a little bit, right? Make you and everybody around you better looking. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas. That's a flagship. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridgeland Flowood area. You'll be glad you went by there. And I, and I tell you, that's the thing, too. These folks involved with Bulldog Burger Company, they know how to pick locations. They do. They pick great facilities. They really, really do. And so go by, bring the family, have an evening out as a group, or maybe have a girls' night or a guys' night. Maybe go watch the ball game there. You can have an adult beverage there. How about that? How about that? Kind of a one-stop shop for you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's jump into uh, last night's women's basketball game quickly here. You've... Um, you're well aware that uh, Mississippi State bas- women's basketball has had some challenges here as of late. And we had a difficult year last year. We had some turnover on the coaching staff, and then Nikki McCray-Pinson kind of you know, resigns unexpectedly to go deal with some, you know, some personal issues, and we absolutely wish her the best. Doug Novak kind of thrust into the limelight here as the head coach. Uh, pretty good exhibition win. It's Mississippi College, you know, so it's not much of a barometer. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of good to get out there and see the ladies stretch your legs a little bit, score some points, get up and down the floor. I think this is going to be a much different team, you know, when you look at the skill. Uh, you know, and, and not to mention, you look at the size of this team. We're not going to be maybe a great half-court team. we got to get out and run a little bit. we are getting people's legs. And that's kind of what happened last night. So Mississippi State opens up at home against Alabama State. Those ladies come in here and uh, kind of gave us a game, I guess, for a quarter. It was 30-23 to 23 after the first quarter. And you're thinking, really? You know, well, in the second quarter, the, the state defense stepped up, put the clamps on. 23-8 to eight quarter for the Bulldogs. And from there, they pretty much put the thing away. I mean, it, they weren't especially – offensive there in the second half but the bottom line is you know you're you're not trying to embarrass anybody but at the same time too you're trying to get some playing time for some other players but state wins every quarter and they should I mean they're playing Alabama State and again all due respect to those ladies over there but there's a reason they're not playing in the power five and so we did what we should do we win 91-62 and I think that's the thing with this group you know when you've when you've kind of grown accustomed to losing a little bit you know, maybe you had some wins down the stretch, but you had some challenges. You know, it's like, you know, the games themselves should be kind of the reward for the work. And then you go out there and you don't have the success you hope to have. And so it becomes one of those, well, here we go again type things. You know, that's the thing with you get in the habit of winning, you start expecting to win. I think there's a lot of that issue with Mississippi State. I think that was, you know, when Vic was here, not only were we extremely talented and well-coached, we had this belief that we could win every single game. And I think that's part of a culture 
And that's what we're having to build back at Mississippi State. Now, do I expect Doug Novak to be the coach next year? I, I don't. But let's say he puts together a good year this year. I mean, he's certainly you know, capable of consideration. I don't think there's any question about that. And one of the things for this Bulldog team, we got to get Rakia Jackson to realize her potential. You know, she has to be the offensive player for us. She has to be the star for us. And there are times that she has. She's shown some real flashes at times. I mean, there are times she can take over a game. Because when she's on, she's on. One of the best shooters in the country. But in order for this team to make the NCAA tournament, we're going to need her to have a career year. She got off to a good start last night. 9 of 23 from the floor. Just 1 of 7 from the three-point line. Got to get better there. 7 of 8 from the line, though. Pulled down five boards and had 26 points. In addition to that, she led the team with four blocks. Long, lean, you know, and Jessica Carter still not playing. Still waiting for her to have, uh, you know, uh, I guess that student disciplinary hearing or whatever. She's got some, you know, she's got to be readmitted. She's taking some online classes, but she's, uh, you know, she's not working with the team. Anastasia Hayes, your second leading scorer on the night. Pretty efficient night for her. 29 minutes and then 5 of 10 from the floor. Hit 1 of 5. Uh, three-point attempt, six of eight from the line, four boards, only committed one personal foul. And that's probably something about Rakia that I should mention. You know, she she played without fouling, too. She went 34 minutes and just committed one foul. And Anastasia Hayes pitched in 17 points. Uh, Jerkalia Jordan, that's a transfer from uh, Tulane, 23 minutes, six of 12 from the floor, three of five, three-point line, 15 points for her. So you have three double-digit scores, but uh, you know we, we pretty much emptied the bench, played a lot of players. Maya Taylor, you guys know her. You're probably hearing some of these names. You're thinking, I don't know all these names. Well, you'll get familiar. Maya Taylor, 31 minutes. She started at the point, uh, four of seven, eight points, three rebounds, one personal foul, 11 assists. Man, you like to see that, don't you? 11 assists against just three turnovers and also a couple of steals. Pretty impressive. And then Charlotte Cole was your starter, too. Uh, played just 10 minutes. And then Danae Carter uh, picked up some of the the others. But Affley Jones, Kateri Thompson, Aislinn Hayes, uh, Raven Fairley, and uh, Nisha Godfrey. And so, Kanisha Godfrey, excuse me. So, a lot of new names on this team. So, it's going to take some time to kind of familiarize yourself with that. But uh, we do have some pieces that are very intriguing. Uh, you know, Robbie Falk is our, our resident women's basketball uh, beat cover over at uh, jeanspage.com, and uh, he will be on top of this pretty much throughout the year. So if you're looking for information about women's basketball, uh, Robbie is probably a good follow, and then also you can ask him. You can subscribe at jeanspage.com, and uh, you can come ask him all the women's basketball questions you care to, and he's there uh, to answer those for you. So uh, be mindful of that this year. I-, I can tell you that there's probably nobody closer to the staff on the beat than Robbie. So if there is breaking news, you know, we feel like we've got a pretty good chance to break it. There are things at times we don't know. But I can tell you nobody's going to cover this woman's basketball season better than, uh, than Robbie Falk. So be sure to come check that out. Of course, uh, you know, we full coverage over at Gene's page. You know, we do a lot of photo galleries and that sort of stuff. When we get into conference play, you know, there'll be a few more stories to go. But, uh, you know, right now, uh, that, that's kind of Robbie's focus. You know, now the women's basketball season is here. So be sure to kind of keep up with all that. Of course, we're all hands on deck for football. But I just kind of want the Robbie of on there because and, – and talking to Robbie too, he tells me, I say, Robbie, is this a tournament team? He goes, yeah, they, they should be. They could be. You know, a lot of it's going to depend on what we do in league play, obviously. But, you know, pretty reasonable non-conference schedule. And so – 
you know, I think when you look at this thing too, you know, we, we just again we've kind of got to get in the habit of winning, and and probably one of the more difficult non-conference games that we're going to play is going to play take place in game number two on Friday against South Dakota State. You know, they're a mainstay in the NCAA tournament. They do a lot of that backdoor cut, kind of like the Princeton offense. They're always really long and athletic. They rebound well, and we're going to struggle against teams that are you know, big in the post, and they likely will be. So that'll be interesting. So if we lose that game Friday, don't. Go, don't go crazy on in the Facebook groups and on Twitter. You know, it's just you know, part of this process. And then we'll, we'll come back and we'll have uh, Alcorn State, but then Cookman play Dayton up at their place on November 25th in the Dayton Beach Invitational. We'll have Michigan as game number two. That'll be a good test. That, that trip, uh, November 25th and 27th, will be awfully interesting. And then, uh, you know, we're also part of the Big 12 SEC Challenge. And so it's going to be you – know, you've got – You've got the chance to pick up some quality wins here, for sure. You got a chance to uh, you know, to pick up some some momentum early on, but uh, you also too you've got some real tasks. So they're going to take some losses in a non-conference. They they are. If we go undefeated in non-conference, I think you go ahead and pencil in a trip to the the tournament because the, some of the caliber of teams that we're going to play at this point probably a little more advanced because it takes a little while to kind of put these things together. Got to put a cohesive unit on the floor. And a lot of these young ladies are still kind of getting to know each other. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. 
So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, on the men's side, we'll get that rolling uh, tonight. And a pretty good crowd last night, too, at the women's game, too. Really, really proud of you folks for turning it out. And, again, we have built such a great, you know, women's basketball following. I guess uh, 4,439, your announced attendance. And uh, there are a lot of people that won't get that many in the game all year on the women's side. So it says a lot about our fans. And uh, appreciate you guys coming out. Uh, should be a big crowd tonight, too, as we get ready to roll against uh, North Alabama. A lot of tickets available for that, obviously. And uh, this should be a chance for Mississippi State to kind of get out and get rolling. You know, this is a chance for us to kind of get out, put some points on the board, uh, kind of get things excited. Now, we'll, we'll have Montana on Saturday, then Detroit Mercy next Wednesday. Moorhead State comes in here on Sunday. So we should have a chance to get off to a pretty good start before we head to the Bahamas. We will head to the Bahamas November 25th. It's going to be uh, against Louisville. Usually a pretty good program, right? That'll be a good challenge. And then we will either play Maryland or Richmond in game two. We return, talk to Lamar, play Lamar, and then Minnesota. Then we'll play Colorado State out of the Basketball Hall of Fame Classic, and then Georgia State here, Furman here. And you remember, Furman's a team that gave us some trouble a couple years ago. Winthrop is a team, too, that uh, has been in a tournament, too. That'll close out the uh, non-conference schedule. And so... A very manageable one, but again, a, chance, a couple chances here to kind of pick up, you know, some quality wins. I don't know if there's a ton of resume builders in this schedule, but uh, but the bottom line is this is a team that will have plenty of opportunities in SEC play to prove their worth as an NCAA tournament team. I think now uh, the way this schedule is kind of rolling out is just really a chance to get on the floor, kind of figure out where we've got some deficiencies and that kind of how teams are going to attack us so we can kind of prepare for the league. So. Uh, excited about men's basketball for sure. I think this has got a chance to be a really good team. I know many of you are as well. And you know, again, I think it's you know, let's not let our expectations run wild here. I think it is fair to expect this to be an NCAA tournament team. I do think there is a chance they finish in the top half of the league. They probably will need to to make the tournament. But there are a lot of people out there that don't have a lot of high expectations for Mississippi State, and I think that's wrong. I think it's kind of similar to the basketball, the football thing, excuse me. I think we all feel like, hey, we're a bowl team, and there are a lot of people like, no, you're not. And you're like, do you even, dude, do you even cover Mississippi State, bro? Do you ever watch us play? You know, I feel that's kind of the same sentiment with this men's basketball thing. I think people are just, you know, hey, they hadn't been very good the last couple of years. You know, they had the NCAA tournament chance. Uh, you know, back in 19 and then didn't work out. You know, so I think the reality of it is, is there are a lot of people that don't do a lot of research that have a whole lot to say. And so I think this team, especially considering the people that we have brought in, the transfer portal has been very good to Mississippi State men's basketball. And so I think that um, we're better than what people are expecting. Now, admittedly, I am a Mississippi State guy. But I try to shoot you guys straight. Are we going to compete for an SEC championship this year? I don't think so. Are we going to compete for, you know, a first-round bye in the SEC tournament? Maybe. 
Maybe. We've done that recently, right? Ben Howland's a good floor coach. Now, sometimes watching his team offensively has been a real challenge because, you know, basically we, we try to play good defense. We'll grind you out on the, on the offensive end. We're not always the most exciting team to watch. And it's not that we hadn't had skilled players, right? But my hope is this year that, uh, you know, we're going to be athletic enough to compete with just buddy and buddy in the conference. You know, now, does that mean we're going to beat all those teams? No. You know, but you know, Ben Howland, by and large, has, has coached his best at Mississippi State when his back's been against the wall. And I think Ben needs to get the tournament. I really do. I think everybody kind of sees it as such, you know, if, if Ben Howland is going to take the next step in Mississippi State, it's getting back to the tournament. There are a lot of us that are just tired of filling out a bracket, you know, without Mississippi State being in it come at the end of the year. And I think there are a lot of us, too, that have, loved, have grown to love college basketball you know, during the Stansberry years, we were doing really well. And then, you know, the last decade's kind of taken a toll on us. And it's kind of like, okay, I'll watch it on TV, but I'm not going to make the commitment to pack the kids up and go to the game and stand in line and that sort of stuff. You know, just – and my hope is we get there. I hope that there are some meaningful games down the stretch and people are like, hey, I, hey guys, I, I can't go play uh, church league basketball this weekend because I'm going to Mississippi State to watch the Bulldogs play against LSU or against Kentucky or something. You know, that's a, those are things that have to happen. And that's the thing, too. Like, there's so many teams that we've had, and, you know, there's some people get all frustrated about you guys not turning out for midweek games. You know, I, I get it. I do. But there, I think there are going to be some big games down the stretch you're going to want to make the effort to come to. And especially on, on the weekend games, uh, we're going to need you here. We certainly are. And uh, we'll have a lot more coverage over at uh, jeanspage.com, especially once SEC play starts. But uh, Paul Jones, our men's basketball expert, that uh, will spend a lot of time covering this team going to, to media opportunities, doing features, things like that. So if you're looking for in-depth coverage from Mississippi State Men's Basketball, you can check it out at jeanspage.com. And, again, Paul's there to answer all your questions. You subscribe to Jeans Page and ask him whatever you want, you know. So go check it out. And, again, a lot of coverage today over about the National Signing Day stuff. Again, we're expecting four signees today, uh, including uh, Kamani Hamilton. That's Tang's son. That's right, Tang Hamilton. That guy could heave, right? You could just throw the alley-oop wherever you wanted to. He could get it. Uh, so, again, another, another legacy guy yeah, for, for Ben Howen. So, don't know if he's nearly as good as his dad, but no clue. But uh, it's good to keep him in the family, and we're beating Alabama head-to-head for him. So, so again, look for that today. There'll be I don't know when they'll actually make the Sunnies official with Mississippi State or when Ben Howen will speak about them, maybe tonight in postgame. Uh, but – Looks like it's going to be a pretty good signing class there for the Mississippi State men's basketball side. Again, check out jeanspage.com today for full coverage about all that stuff. Time for today's top ten list. Going to go back a little few years. And, of course, uh, this is a a list that uh, I'm pretty excited about. Some of you will be, too. And some of you will think, you know what, I don't don't know. I I know the hits. I don't know the deeper part of the catalog. So we'll get to that. Today's list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. He promised me his picks for one of his favorite bands. I don't have them yet. Maybe Friday. Maybe Friday. We'll see. So I had to kind of improvise. And, you know, I can always uh, come up with a great metal band for you guys to hear about. But here's the deal. While Blair may not be a music expert, he is a mortgage expert. And many of us need to have a friend in the business to kind of get things done. You know, it's like, I, I don't even know anything about this process. I wish there was somebody that I knew or I could trust. You know what? Blair is a friend you just haven't met yet. Been my friend a long time. Love the guy to death, man. The guy does a great job. 
And what he tells me is now is the time to refi. You know, if you're if you were somebody that maybe perhaps have gotten a little overextended when it comes to credit cards or perhaps uh, installment loans, you can consolidate that debt to get your equity working for you and lower your monthly payments. Your mortgage payment may go up a little bit, but you know what? That outflow, you know, when you think about all the expenditures, I've got to write this check and that check and this check and I've got this ACH payment coming out, you can eliminate a lot of that. Consolidate it down to one, maybe two payments. He can help you with every bit of that. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, Steve, I'll never own a home. Well, I would submit to you that's probably not true. It's probably not. There are some people that are in that same unfortunate circumstance. But there are a lot of people that have been scared to try. Or maybe they've tried in the past and things didn't work out. They said, Steve, I just don't want to make the emotional investment. That's why you got to deal with a guy like Blair Chandler with over 20 years in the industry. Top 1% in the close ratio in the country. And here's the deal. He'll tell you, okay, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't work right now, but here's what we got to do. He'll put a plan together for you. This is a professional. Works for Fairway Mortgage, one of the top five lending institutions in the country. Not some subprime mortgage you know, lender out there that was here today and gone tomorrow. Give a Blair an opportunity to serve you. And if you do, by being a lawyer bond yard listener, you know what he's going to do? He's going to pay for your appraisal. There's a lot of fees that go along with, buying, with mortgages. Most of that's rolled into the note, right? But the reality of it is, is anytime you can save a few bucks, you should. And Blair is like, you know what? Tell all the Bondyard listeners, if they will do business with me, I will pay for the appraisal. It's about a $500 value. Could be $600, depending on where you live. So that's a pretty cool thing. Just by listening to the show, you're saving yourself some money. Find him at closewithblair.com. That's close, C-L-O-S-E, close with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. And he can get you going. And here's the deal. There are a lot of people that kind of sit behind a big desk and, you know, they're, they're, they're too good for your time. That's not Blair. Give him a call or a text on his personal cell phone number right now, 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. He's not going to hide behind his voicemail. He'll get right back to you. This is, hey, Blair wants to eat, man, and Blair wants you to be happy. So it's a, chance, it's a great connection bringing an aggressive loan originator into your life that has a vested interest in your loan getting approved. And I, I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever we can, and Blair is absolutely one of those. Again, closeofblair.com. So I know at some point back when uh, you know, Blair was, um, was kind of rolling through you know, high school and, and uh, you know, trying to date around the central Mississippi private school ranks that uh, this band kind of rose to prominence. Now, I liked them probably before many of you guys did, and that's probably the case with many of these, uh, these bands that uh, played a little metal. And these, these, were little, these guys were more radio-friendly than many, and they got really radio-friendly a little bit later in their career, had some big hits that kind of crossed over. I think many of you, your first introduction to this band was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And if you have not watched that movie, what are you doing with your life? Bill and Ted 3 came out uh, several months ago. It's pretty good. Not nearly as good as the first two, but it's good. It's, I, th- I think maybe just the, the nostalgia of the characters maybe carried the film a little bit for me. So when, when, before I went to rehab, I had a basically, the, you know the big cardboard cutouts they have at the movies, like to promote the movies? I had the Bill and Ted one. Had it in my room, moved it to my apartment, this is back, uh, you know, before life got really complicated for me. 
But I took it everywhere. And then when I got moved out of my apartment, it got thrown in a dumpster. And it's one of those things to this day I'm still very resentful of. You would think after all these years, I would say, you know what, I'm just going to move on with life. But no, no, I wish I still had that. It's very special. I love Bill and Ted. How could you not party on, dude? Be excellent to each other. We learned a lot from Bill and Ted. I actually like Bogus Journey probably a little bit better than the first one. But Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, there was a song that was part of the promotion of that movie. You know, when they had the trailers, you could hear it, and you're like, who is playing that guitar? Well, it was Nuno Bencourt from the band Extreme. So today's top ten list, Extreme. Love those guys. Number ten on the list, actually, uh, from their fourth album, Waiting for the Punchline, which is one of the, the, the albums I think is probably a little bit underappreciated. But, of course, the moment it had passed a little bit. But it's a song, Hip Today. And it's kind of ironic, you know, that it's hip today because it's like they're kind of singing about bands that are kind of following trends and that sort of stuff. And then, you know, Extreme uh, went on hiatus after that. So hip today. It's a cool track. Number nine. And this got a lot of airplay. It is a good song. I don't think it is a great song. A lot of people know it. It's Get the Funk Out. That's right. I didn't curse. Get the Funk. F-U-N-K. Get the Funk Out. It's a fun song. It's got uh, some harmonies in the chorus, that sort of stuff. And, of course, got the uh, the funky bass line. But Get the Funk Out was a, it was a pretty big radio hit. I didn't like it as much as some of the other stuff. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as the stuff that really kind of featured, uh, you know, more of a straight-ahead rock direction. Number eight, one of the last big hits, and this is off of uh, Three Sides to Every Story, their third album, it's Rest in Peace. Dig this track. I think it's probably... Probably the uh, second best song on that album. And it might have been the, the, the highest charting single. I don't think it was the best song, though. But Rest in Peace, a really good one. Got a lot of play on MTV. Music was changing. Music was changing. And I think that Extreme kind of got lost in the shuffle. Number seven, this one goes back to the very first album. No, I guess it's not true. This is off Porno Graffiti, the second album. It's Mother Don't Want to Go to School Today. Or maybe it is a self-titled album. Either way, you'll know the track. I do think it's the first album, I think about it. Mother Don't Want to Go to School Today. And that's the thing, too, that I think that... Uh, and let me say this for those of you that are members of the cancer... Cancer. The cancel culture. So when you go back and listen to all these old songs, people say, well, you know, it's kind of creepy. Listen, they were writing for us. Like, they were like our voice. They wrote songs that appealed to teenagers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so, I mean, obviously you don't think Gary Sharon doesn't want to go to school today. It's a grown man. He's talking about us. I don't want to go to school. I'd rather go outside and play. It's about us. So they were writing for us and about us and to us. So don't go back and listen to all that stuff and say, oh, my gosh. They were our voice. Relax. Go see a doctor. All right, so number six, and this is my favorite song on the, the Three Sides album, and it's Am I Ever Gonna Change? And it starts out like it's this adult contemporary song, and then Nuno comes in, and then the band just rocks. Am I Ever Gonna Change? It's great. Again, great harmonies in the chorus. I think Gary Sharon, probably an underappreciated vocalist, first time. And this is a thing people don't understand. Uh, 
Gary Sharon replaced Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Did you know that? Yeah, and there's actually some really good songs on that album. It's just people never accepted it. It's kind of like when John Karabi joined Motley Crue. It's like, yeah, they're good, but it's just not the same. And that's kind of how it was with Gary. just wasn't the same. And, he, and again, they had some, good, had some good tracks. Eddie had some good work on the Gary Sharon albums, but it um, just didn't quite work out. People just weren't willing to accept that. It's like, okay, well, we got Sammy Hagar. Okay, that's, that's I can't drive 55 guy, right? Oh, oh, yeah, I can do it. I can get on with this. Okay, cool. And then Dave Lee Roth had all his solo stuff. So it was kind of like, well, I get Dave, and I get Eddie, and I get Sammy. It's kind of like, okay, I can deal with it. I know there's still a lot of people that have a lot of angst about the Van Hagar years, but you're wrong. Some great tracks. Kind of got off track there a second. But um, am I ever going to change? Check that one out. You'll dig that one. Now, these last five, most of you know them. I would say the number five song you probably don't know as much or know as well. It's the lead track on Porno Graffiti. That's the second album. It's Decadence Dance. I, I think this is one of the best guitar tracks of that era. And there's another track on there called It's a Monster. It's incredible, too. And uh, there's The Flight of the Injured Bumblebee. I mean, Nina Bencourt is in the, the same vein as Eddie Van Halen. And probably one of the only people that could probably consistently play Eddie Van Halen note for note because he is that skilled. He is a phenomenal guitar player, and he was really kind of the, the lifeblood of the band Extreme. Nuno is an absolute, incredible player. Decadence Dance, I don't think there's anything that illustrates it more than that. All right, so we get into the basically the biggest hits of, um, of, the, of the Extreme catalog. Number four was the first single off the self-titled album. I know I got this one right. I saw this, and then I went to uh, the Cloverleaf Mall. Like the next day, the next chance that I got, I went and bought this CD because of this song. And it's Kid Ego. Loved the guitar on this one. Loved the vocals. Loved the lyrics. I thought it was a great introduction to a really cool band. And so... I had that first album, and next thing you know, I was kind of off and running. And then, you know, of course, when the second one came out, I felt like they had really grown so much and matured as a band that they were on their way to superstardom. And they did have some huge hits, and that's what we're about to get to. Number three, I've actually heard this song sung in church. How about that? That's how, how much this song has crossed over. And it's wholehearted. You know, there's a hole in my heart that can only be filled with you. And so it's a, it's a very selfless song. And uh, this is when, you know, I don't know if they were just going for airplay or if they were just trying to diversify the sound. But a lot of the more laid back and acoustic type tracks that were on Porno Graffiti really kind of vaulted this band from obscurity into notoriety. And Wholehearted was a big part of that. That was actually the follow-up single to the number two song. And with probably the first extreme song that many of you heard as far as you like listen to maybe even when I bought the cassette the single whatever but it's more than words and um, you know it's it's a beautifully written track it is executed flawlessly and uh, a lot of people have tried to pull it off and there have been several covers of this there is nothing as good as the Gary and Nuno version of this and I guess Pat Badger was on bass back then but when more than words came out it was like there were so many people I don't think fully appreciated this this time in music. It's like, you want to talk about 
dialing things down and going unplugged, this was the precursor to that movement. This song is what started that because everybody was doing, you know, everybody was trying to play harder and faster. And then all of a sudden, Extreme had this huge hit and it was absolutely everywhere because people felt it. And it wasn't, it was like, so you had credibility with the rock community because, hey, this is, these are our guys in Extreme. They're just kind of dialing it back a little bit. And then you had the adult contemporary people and you had the top 40 people. This song was everywhere absolutely everywhere and some of you would say well steve that's got to be number one which well, not it's number two because you know i've kind of got a, a rule here i try not to, to go out number one on a ballot I, I try not to but without a doubt more than words is the song that made extreme it did it was their breakthrough song there's no question about it but you guys didn't buy the rest of the records so <laughs> That's the thing you look at, too. It's like they didn't really capitalize on it. And it's not because that the rest of the catalog wasn't any good. It's just that this was kind of an outlier. That, you know, they weren't, they weren't just an acoustic band. And then all of a sudden people go by the album and then they hear, you know, Decadence Dance. You're like, wait a minute, this isn't what I signed up for. And so kind of a blessing and a curse. It got them some exposure, but I think it kind of branded them as a band that they really weren't in many respects. But more than words, I know everybody knows that song. You probably can sing it right now but number one for me and it's because the guitar on this just shreds man it's a fell it's a face melter it's play with me from the bill and ted soundtrack and again that's on the self-titled album such a great song and uh it's got such a playful vibe to it you'll love it if you don't know it listen to it today that's the direction that kind of metal was going in and um you know, things kind of changed a little bit. You know, we had a little movement out there in uh, in Seattle that lasted here a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, record companies were always, like, looking for the next big thing. And so Extreme, in many respects, kind of got washed up in some of that stuff. Because that was all around the same time. You go back and look at the Billboard charts from those years, and, like, Nirvana's, like, right there, you know, with Extreme bands like that. And so it was a pretty big difference. And so what happened when... A lot of the metal stuff got a little bit softer. You know, you had these guys up in Seattle that were playing a lot of rock stuff. You know, you had Soundgarden, you had Pearl Jam, you had Mother Love Bone, you had Screaming Trees and those bands. And so it was like, you know, the disenchanted of the rock community kind of gravitated to that music. And so that then that suddenly became the mainstream. You know, the Melvins were the guys that kind of founded all that stuff, contrary to popular belief. A lot of people tell you, Oh, well, Nirvana was just a groundbreaking brand. Well, they really weren't. They sold a bunch of records, but they were kind of following the trend too. Uh, but the reality of it is, is Extreme is a band that uh, probably a little bit underappreciated. If you are into guitar rock, if you like people that uh, can use the whammy bar and uh, tap at an incredibly fast level, I'm looking right at you, Rob. Right at you, Rob. Uh, you'll enjoy this. Nuno Bencourt is an absolute gem of a guitar player and Gary Sharon a great vocalist too uh, I, I think the songwriting wise it probably kind of fell apart a little bit later I think they rode the wave of Nuno's ability uh, probably a little bit too much they probably should have had some songwriting help probably could have sustained the career a little bit longer and that's not again that's not to, to throw shade at them I just think they'd have had more mainstream success if they'd have had uh, you know some better songs so so there you go 
Top 10 list for today, Extreme. Be sure to check it out. Follow Roy on Twitter, Dogmatic67. You can also follow him on Spotify, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And thank our good friend Izzy Mandelbaum that is off putting this on Apple Music for those of you that aren't on Spotify. So that's a great thing. We have a community here. We're a family at the Boneyard. I come up with the list, and these two great guys put it out there for you for your listening and enjoyment. Because I have people, it's so great too. I have some people that will message me and say, "Hey, Steve, I'm trying to find this list. I remember when we had the top ten list. I'm sharing it with my kid, or I'm sharing this with my dad." And I think this is how cool is this? The gift of give, of music we give to each other. It's the greatest thing going. So there you go, your extreme top ten list. If you have an idea for the top ten. Reach out, let me know. I got a request for Frank Sinatra yesterday. I got Conway Twitty this morning. It's pretty much a daily occurrence now. Somebody brings up something. Many times we've already done the list. We've got to go back, and, and we're happy to send that to you. We're happy to do that for you. So remember, feel like it's your, uh, you know, you're, you're imposing. It may take me a while to get back to you because I am a busy guy, but uh, I want you to have that. I, I hope that you guys continue to enjoy the top ten list. And I have many people that reach out and say, you know what, Steve, I think in many respects it's a highlight of the show. So well, how cool is that? All right, I don't know how to take that. All right, so uh, let's get ready to, to look at Auburn a little bit. How about that? This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. Great people, absolutely wonderful people. They're like family to me. They'll make you feel like family too because you are family. If we don't have fans here at Mississippi State, we have family. Most of the time anyway, and sometimes family fights. But not at Campus Bookmart. They'll take care of you. Go see Standing Man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They will be sure that you outfit your family in the latest in Mississippi State merch. Visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. And this day and time, anytime we can save some money, it's a good thing. Just by... Listening to the show, you're saving money. Campus Bookmart, a Stark villain institution. Go by and check them out today. If you don't have it, they probably can get it for you. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. All right, let's take a look at uh, Auburn. You guys are somewhat familiar with them. Here's the thing about Auburn. They uh, may be a little bit ahead of schedule, maybe, they're pretty good. You know, they're not a bad team. They have not played well as of late, but they are a good team with a lot of talent. They have recruited exceptionally well, as you guys know. Auburn, a uh, a very nice campus, a place that has tradition. And so they attract a lot of uh, a lot of recruits. You know, we've, we've competed head-to-head with them many years. And uh, so here's the deal with Auburn this year. Currently a 6-3 and three team. So they're a game ahead of us in the standings. They opened up beating Akron 60-10 to 10 and then beat Alabama State 62 nothing. Everybody's like, man, this offense is remarkable. And it was, but a lot of that had to do with the quality of competition. They go on the road to Penn State. They lose up there at uh, Happy Valley 28-20. They beat Georgia State 34-24. And really, I would say they survived Georgia State. Georgia State, a lot of success running the football against them. And then you had the Mark Curls crew uh, blowing the call late that gave Auburn a first down that led to what proved to be the uh, 
I don't know if you'd call it the game-winning drive, but they took the lead on it and then had a pick six to close it out, 34-24. They go to Baton Rouge the next week and win 24-19. Had to come from behind. Bo Nix, pretty good ball game. Had some Johnny Manziel-esque type plays. They won it 24-19. They go play Georgia. Well, they play with their plays. And they lose 34-10. And again, I don't think that you can get an objective analysis of any team based on how they play against Georgia or Alabama, for that matter. Uh, Georgia, an absolute juggernaut right now, especially on defense. They go to Arkansas and win a bit of a barn burner there, 38-23, and Bo Nix makes the plays down the stretch to kind of put that thing away. They get Ole Miss 31-20, and uh, if you remember that game, it was a game for a while, and then Ole Miss kind of got off schedule a little bit, couldn't score, and Auburn pulls away. They go to College Station last weekend, and it's 20 to 3. Now, you go back and look, let's date back to that Ole Miss game. You know, it's 28 to 17 at the half. And then Auburn kind of goes in a shell, scores three points in the second half. Well, then last week, similar situation. They go play AM, who is playing exceptionally well right now. I think we kind of woke them up a little bit. But you look at that, and uh, it's a three-to-three three three ball game at the break, and then they get shut out the rest of the way. So they have not scored an offensive touchdown in six quarters. So we're going to see probably some new wrinkles. We're going to see some things that maybe perhaps they haven't shown on film. They're going to do some things to try to jumpstart this offense, which may mean some, some trickery. You know, we'll see how things go. Looking at last week's numbers, uh, Bo Nix, 20 of 41, sacked four times. Threw a pick, also had a big fumble. Tank Bigsby, a guy that I like an awful lot, 15 carries for 69 yards. But as a team, they only ran for 73 yards. Of course, former Mississippi State uh, recruit Jarquez Hunter from Neshoba Central also playing a lot as a true freshman, having a really good year for those guys too. Uh, But he just had four carries for 14 yards. So not a lot of explosive offense last week. Leading pass catcher was Sean Shivers, six grabs for 40 yards. And, uh, again, no touchdowns in the ballgame. They do spread it around a good bit. There are a lot of guys that are involved in the pass pattern out there for them. So let's take a look at some of these numbers. I think it's important just to kind of look see how everybody's individuals have done. Uh, I mentioned Tank Bigsby. I think he is one of the better backs in the Southeastern Conference. I, I have him probably just behind C.J. Spiller. I think they're comparable. I like C.J. a little bit more. But Tank Bigsby is a guy that gets his shoulder square to the line of scrimmage, can run with some power. He's averaging 5.3 yards per carry, 735 yards, uh, seven touchdowns, averaging just under 82 yards a game. Jarquez Hunter, we mentioned him, playing a lot, nine games so far. He's run for 544 yards, averaging 7.5 yards a carry, three touchdowns, and a long of 94. I remember some people telling me he couldn't play running back in power five level. After watching that kid play, I disagreed. And I had seen him play three times, thought he might be a G5 guy. Then it's like, hey, if he comes to state, we know how to use him. He's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Guy's making a lot of people look silly right now. I don't know if he's ever the feature back there because, you know, Auburn, whether it be Gus Malzahn or whoever, you know, they like to have that guy that can move the pile, and that's Tank Bigsby. But Hunter is a very good complimentary back, really good on the edges. Bo Nix, 
a real challenge with him because they do dial up some quarterback runs at times. 55 carries on the year for 171 yards, four touchdowns. Had a good game against Ole Miss on the ground. And then Sean Shivers, another guy too that, uh, you know, kind of a multi-purpose guy for them. Getting a little bit deeper in this thing, looking at the passing numbers for Knicks. Nine games played, 170 completions, 282 attempts, three picks, 60.2 completion ratio, 1,917 yards of passing yards, nine touchdowns along with 71, averaging 213 a game. Now, T.J. Finley is also kind of a change of pace guy for them. Former LSU quarterback, played in five games, and of course he led the uh, the drive to to beat Georgia State. That a lot of people thought would be a quarterback controversy. Uh, Brian Harson, Alexis Stick with Bo Nix, and Nix has made him look pretty smart. Uh, just 275 yards passing, but he is a guy that can tuck it and go. Very difficult guy to defend in the open field. Looking at the receiving numbers, Kobe Hudson leads a team. 29 grabs, 383 yards, and this to one touchdown, averaging 42 yards a game. Demetrius Robertson, no relation, uh, eight games played, 377 yards, three touchdowns, has the most touchdown catches on the team. Number zero for them, zero. John Samuel Schinker, nine nine games played, 25 catches, 323 yards, uh, no touchdowns. But he is a guy that has been very good for them, you know, on third down plays. He is a bit of a possession guy. So, uh, number 47 for them, a tight end, senior out of Albany, Georgia, Colquitt County High School, 6'4", 250 pounds. Not a real weapon, but at the same time, a guy that's been very efficient for them uh, in this offense. Tank Bigsby also kind of involved at times in the passing game. So, that's the offense. And, again, not just real gaudy numbers here but very productive numbers at times. And uh, what's interesting is they have allowed 2,023 yards passing. They have only gained 2,192. And so when you, you kind of look at that compared to, uh, you know, those early games when they destroyed Akron and, all, and Alabama State in you know, SEC play, they're really giving up more passing yards than they're earning. Interesting to say the least. Looking at some special team stuff here, too. It seems like that Auburn always has a kid named Carlson kicking. Anders Carlson's a field goal kicker, 14 of 19, pretty efficient there. Probably not among the league leaders, but uh, he has been very good in short range, 6 of 6, uh, 30 and under. And then 2 and th- two of 3 from 30 to 39, 6 of 8, 40 to 49. And on the longer field goals, 50-plus, he has missed them both. He has had one blocked. His long on the year is 49 yards punting and that could be a real issue for us too in this one because i think it could boil down to field position oscar chapman the punter 35 attempts 46 yard average he does have a long of, of uh, 65 just two touchbacks on the year but he does a great job of pinning you back deep inside the the 20 13 13 of his 35 attempts and nine of those have gone for 50 plus Pretty interesting, to say the least. Auburn's also blocked a couple points this year. Looking at kickoffs, 56 attempts, 33 touchbacks for Carlson. So there could be some returnable kicks against them. Now, hopefully, Tulu Griffin's ready to go this week. But uh, should be some opportunities there uh, at times to kind of get out and and, uh, get some plus field position. That's a certain hope anyway. 
All right, defensively, and this is where I think Auburn always tends to shine. They always have athletes at every level of defense. And maybe this defensive front is not what it has been. Uh, Jacoby McLean is a guy that's, you know, having a monster year for them. 71 tackles, leads the team. Uh, a guy that always seems to be around the football, too. You know, they're, they're just some guys like the game seems to find them. Well, that's him. Linebacker, number nine, senior from Valdosta, Georgia, six foot, 219 pounds. Has had some big ball games for them. Smoke Monday, one of the better names in the conference. 45 tackles for him, third on the team. Also have an interception and three pass breakups. Now, arguably the best pass rusher on the team is uh, Colby Wooden. Seven quarterback hurries, uh, you know, for him. This is a guy that will get after you a little bit. Defensive end, 6'5", 278 out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. Archer High School out there. Just a sophomore. So his best football is likely still ahead of him. Now, Derek Hall is a guy you guys should know pretty well, a junior from Gulfport, Mississippi, a guy that was considered in Mississippi State lane much of the recruiting process, had a lot of Mississippi State people around him. And uh, some old Miss folks thought that they were going to get him, and ultimately he goes to Auburn. And uh, give Woodson and those guys some credit. Uh, they went out there and did a good job against him. Now, yeah, one of his bigger games of the year actually came against Ole Miss, four tackles in the ball game. So not exactly lighting up the stat sheet, but certainly making a really good contribution uh, to this team. All right, looking at interception numbers, not real gaudy, right? Roger McCreary, two picks, nine breakups, and then a fumble recovery. That's a guy you got to be awful careful of. You get loose and fast with him. He has good ball skills. He can go up there and get it. Smoke Monday, a guy, too, we've talked about, uh, you know, pretty aggressive uh, in the – in the pass coverage aspect of this defense. T.D. Moultrie, that's a guy, a name that you guys should be somewhat familiar with too. This is a guy that State recruited. Um, it's tough to go into Birmingham and beat Alabama or Auburn for a guy. This is a guy that's been around forever and a day too. Probably, probably has a chance to play, uh, you know, on the next level. Has missed some time this year. Has kind of rolled back into the rotation. But, uh, again, a guy that uh, you guys are probably somewhat familiar with. We do recruit a lot of these kids over in, in Alabama, but it's almost impossible, you know, to go out there and, and get some of these guys that, um, you know, they're, that are, you know, Alabama and Auburn-type kids that uh, if they really want them, it's difficult to beat them. Another name you may be familiar with is J.J. Pegues out of Oxford High School. A lot of Ole Miss people are still upset about losing him. You know, he played some H-back for them. I've always said, and it was like I, I had an argument with somebody about this when he was coming up. They had him listed as an athlete. I said, okay, he is not an athlete by label. That's not to say that he is not athletic. The athlete label basically is for a guy that could play one of the skill positions, whether it be wide receiver or running back or, or, or defensive back. You know, It's like this is a guy that's going to depend on a team need. J.J. Pegues, in my mind, was always going to be a three-tag. You knew that he was going to grow into that. Again, they played him at some H-back stuff uh, as a freshman. He was an absolute killer out there. They have moved him to defensive tackle, 6'3", now 308 pounds. Uh, having a pretty good year. I do think that the uh, his best football is ahead of him. You know, he's a rotation guy right now. I do think him playing with his hands in the ground is probably what's best for him long-term. So, again, you look at these numbers, and – there's nothing that really jumps off at you and says, okay, this is going to be you know, a real issue or a deficiency for us. I, I think this is a, a good team, potentially a really good team. 
What worries me about the matchup is Bo Nix. And, yes, he's been sacked a little bit. Uh, but the reality of it is is that this is a guy that if you don't get him on the ground, he is going to extend plays. And then the receivers are athletic enough to work back to him. Uh, just when you think you're getting off the field, they'll move the chains. He will extend plays. And Bo Nix is a guy sometimes, too, that will run himself into trouble. That's part of the deal, too. Didn't mention Colby Wooden earlier, and should have. Colby Wooden doing a great job for them, for sure. Well, I did mention him, excuse me. Um, but this is a defense that's going to have athletes at every level. You know, what can we do against them when you look at, uh, you know, our passing numbers and, and their pass defense type numbers? You know, I, I suspect we're going to be able to move the chains. You know, I, I really do. I, I don't think that they're a team, you know, and just so you guys know too, Will Rogers now third in the country passing offense behind only Bailey Zapp of Western Kentucky and Brennan Armstrong of Virginia. But 3,307 yards for Will Rogers. That's pretty impressive numbers, right? And so I do think Will in the middle of the season is playing uh, his best football of his career. And I think the, the best is still to come, you know, for him. And I do think that this is a game that, you know, the matchup scares me because of the fact that I think that um, Bo Nix is a guy that uh, is a real difference maker in some respects. Now, they always talk about, well, do you get good Bo or bad Bo? Well, you know, sometimes he tries to do too much, and so hopefully we can give him some looks. But he is a guy that's athletic enough to make us pay when we lose contain. Auburn, 57th in the country uh, in pass defense, giving up 224 yards per game. But you look at the schedule and you say, well, who have they played that has been really prolific passing? Well, not a lot, you know. And so kind of like we saw against Kentucky and kind of like we saw against Arkansas, you know, because of our style of offense, people tend to give up more yards than they ordinarily, they ordinarily do. And I think that's, uh, that'll be the case this week. We've got to play clean. Can we win the football game? Yes, we can. Uh, I, I'm lean. I've said that all along. I thought this is probably the most difficult game that we had left. I still believe that. I think playing at Auburn is always challenging. But playing them at 11 a.m., I think it may be a bit of an advantage for us. You know, just because of the fact that um, people won't have all day to drink and then kind of get up to speed and be ready to roll and be all excited and ready to kind of get in your face a little bit. The atmosphere will be good. I don't know that it will be great. Looks like it's going to be a pretty sunny day for us. And so – at the end of the day, you know, State's been a pretty good road team. And, uh, you know, we played well on the road. And that's the thing that's always been – it's just so difficult in this league to get out and go play on the road. And we've been in every game. And I made that I made mention of that on, um, on Bo Bound's show yesterday. We talk about coaching a lot. We always talk about, yeah, you know, well, you know, coaching wins close ball games. You know, how many times – I mean, honestly, you look at us and say, okay – Outside of Alabama, who have you looked at and said, okay, this is a sheer loss? You know, we look at our numbers here. You know, so our first road game, we go to Memphis, we lose 31-29. Should have won a ball game, right? And we're a better team than Memphis, and they've kind of proven that since then. But the reality of it is they won the ball game. They did. We go to College Station, Texas, win that game 26-22. We go to Vanderbilt, blood them out 45-6. And we go to Arkansas and lose by three. And so that's the thing you always look at at the beginning of the year when you look at a schedule is, okay, what road games can we win? Because that's the difference a lot of times in a good bowl game and a great bowl game. 
And so this is a team that I don't think will be intimidated to go to Auburn. What we saw last weekend at Arkansas, pretty impressive as far as the crowd goes. It was a hostile environment. And uh, Brandon Langua, you guys know, worked at the Mississippi State Media Relations, uh, spoke to Brandon about it. And he goes, you know, he said, I worked up there for three years. And that's about as good as the crowd as you're going to get up there. I mean, it was, it was pretty hostile. And it was. They really supported their team. But I don't think it ever gets to us. I just don't think it does. I think we have instilled some mental toughness in the players. We've recruited that attribute. And I don't think we worry about playing on the road. So I don't think the Auburn crowd will get to us. I think at the end of the day, if we can control Bo Nix, we can win this football game. But, um, but as of right now, I'm, I'm just worried about our ability uh, to kind of slow them down. And I think our defense feels like they have a little something to prove after being on the field and then um, – you know, not closing the deal. You know, we did against Texas A&M, right? We did. We got the opportunity to win a ball game with the defense on the field. We did that. We didn't come through this time. So I do think that Zach Arnett will have the guys motivated and ready to go. Now, before we move along, I want to talk a little bit about this kicker situation. Many of you have had a very emotional response to this, and uh, I don't agree with it. And so I'm going to say some things, and maybe, you know, maybe it may step on some toes, and if it does, I hope it hurts. But so here's the thing. We, we are not putting together a troop of Cub Scouts. This is the Southeastern Conference. And sometimes I think we forget that. I think some people think we're kind of lucky to be in the SEC. No, we belong in the SEC. We do. Now, are we among the SEC hierarchy? No, we are not. But we recruit, develop, and produce – SEC caliber athletes at a pretty high rate. Competition is part of that development. So I can't believe Michael, guys, stop. Stop it. There's different ways to motivate players. Now here, I don't know how you guys feel, but if I had my job and then all of a sudden my boss puts puts an ad in the paper and says, hey, listen, uh, we're looking for uh, a sports writer or two to add to our staff. Well, I'm thinking, well, Okay, we've already hit our quota. We're at our number. Somebody's leaving. It's not going to be me. I'm going to work even harder to make sure that um, that doesn't happen. I'm not going to let some fresh fish come in here and take my gig. Now, let's go ahead and lay it on the line. The Mississippi State field goal kicking this year, by and large, has been unacceptable. Brandon Ruiz has had some really good games. He is our best option when he's healthy. But our numbers are not good. When it comes to field goal kicking. And I, I think, what we, we, well, you know, they're just such nice kids. Okay, great. Let them go marry your daughter. We need to win football games. And so it's not about a couple of guys. But let's, you know, let's kind of take a look at, uh, you know, the rest of this deal. You, you got, you know, you got, what, 120 guys on the roster. You don't think those guys are aware of the fact that we've missed some field goals? You don't think there are some guys out there that don't realize that we that, that has cost us some football games? They know. So Mike Leach has an obligation to those guys too. Hey, we're going to fix this. And if that means we got to go out there and have open tryouts on a drill field and go pull some guys from the soccer team, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to fix the problem. That's what leaders do. And it's amazing to me there are people that are, are not leaders and have not been leaders but have a big opinion of what it takes to lead. No, Mike Leach was writing what he said, and I know that it hurt some people's feelings, and you know what? That's part of leadership too. 
not running for public office, trying to go win some football games. And here are the numbers, 9 of 17. 9 of 17 field goal attempts. Our opponents, 13 of 16. And one of those we blocked. But we're 9 of 17. That is unacceptable. And anybody that thinks it's unacceptable has a loser's mentality. If you think, well, it's okay. They're a nice kid. No. It's got nothing to do with it. Life is not nice. Business is not nice. You, you think because, okay, hey, we're going to find somebody that kicks. And again, I'm not talking trash about these kids. I mean, they're not even really kids or guys. But, you know, my point is we got to figure it out. And so he's kind of sending a message to those guys. He's like, hey, if you can't handle the job, we'll do what we can do. Well, let's, let's go back and look at some of these numbers, too. I think it's important. I think everybody needs to understand kind of where we are. And, you know, Brandon Ruiz, we, we couldn't wait for him to get back. I still love that guy. Glad he came back and played. I, you know, that was – I thought he'd be a real weapon for us, you know. But, you know, Brandon has, uh, has not been 100%. A healthy Brandon Ruiz makes a big difference for us. Brandon Ruiz on the year is 5 of 9, 19 of 19 on the extra points. And a couple of those have been an adventure. Noah McCord's 4 of 8. Uh, 10 of 10. So we've made all of our extra points, even though a couple of them have been an adventure, 29 of 29. But 9 of 17, and when you're a team like us that's uh, not going to blow a lot of people out, you can't leave points on the field. We left 9 on the field and lost by 3. And so what is Mike Leach supposed to do? Walk out there and post game and say, oh, we'll get him next time. Nah. Sometimes he's talking to his team through the media. I'm the one that asked the question, Coach, what are you seeing from special teams? Where are we on special teams? He goes, well, you can help us with this by promoting this. We're going to have open – if you want to go kick at Mississippi State, we're going to have open tryouts. A little bit unorthodox, but he's not the first guy to make these comments about kickers. And it's an interesting fraternity. It really is. Kickers are a different breed, and they're just kind of over there by themselves a lot of times too. You know, they're constantly working. And in no way am I trying to diminish their impact. The fact that we're taking these steps goes to show you how important that fast of the game is. And when you're a team like us that's you know, going to win or lose three-point ball games, we need those three points. From what I was told yesterday from someone who observed practice is that um, there appears to have been a fire lit under the kickers. And that's the thing. If I had been a guy that's on – you know, if I've been on the team all year – and earned a spot, and I wasn't getting it done, and they had to have an open casting call to replace me, uh, I, I've got one of two choices. I can pout, or I can fight. And that's what I believe your guys are doing. I don't believe that Brandon Ruiz and Nolan McCord are just kind of sit around and let somebody walk off the in a mural soccer field and walk out there and take their job. Do you? Because if you do, I don't know that you, we have the same opinion of these guys. These guys are competitors. These guys are football players. These guys want the team to win. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would be? It's like, you know what, I couldn't get it done, so they went and found some other kid, and he came in here, and he kicked a game-winning field goal to beat Ole Miss, and now he's a hero for the season. There's no way I'm going to let that happen. I'm going to do what i got to do. I'm going to work hard, even harder. I'm going to do what I can to get better. I don't think there's anybody on this Mississippi State football team, from the kickers to the quarterbacks, that expects anything to be given to them. I don't believe it. And so I've read with great interest 
you know, the reaction of people that have no vested interest in Mississippi State football. And I have people that message me and say, well, this guy said this, so? What does that matter? Well, this guy said, so? Who is he? Has he ever covered a Mississippi State football game? When's the last time he's been a star goal? Has he done a feature on any of our players? No. So why do you care what they think? I don't care. I want to win football games. And if Mike Leach believes that the best way to win football games is to have open tryouts for kickers, then that's what needs to happen. We're paying that guy $5 million a year. So if we're just going to say, well, I guess we're just going to accept the status quo and we'll just start going for it on fourth down all the time. I don't think it's quite that drastic. But the reality of the situation is, is that when we try to kick her out there, it's far from a sure thing. And again, Ruiz was very good, even even before the injury. I mean, like you go back and look at his numbers, you know, I, th- I think that's an important part of it too. I think the injury to Brandon Ruiz is, this is why we're in this situation, Right. If Ruiz had been healthy all year, and it's not his fault, nobody asked to get injured. But that's kind of where we are with this deal. And so if you look at his numbers, so he he missed the first one against Louisiana Tech, didn't kick against NC State, missed some time. Comes back three for three against Alabama, one for one against Vanderbilt, one for two against Kentucky, and then 0-2 against Arkansas. And so, yeah, maybe he's in a little bit of a slump. And you know what? Maybe he's not 100% healthy. You know, he's won for his last four. But he's had some good stretches, so he's certainly capable. There's a reason the guy's on scholarship. There's a reason we all wanted him back. You know, the first couple games back, he didn't handle kickoff. Scott Goodman did. And I don't know that Scott's 100% now. You know, that's the thing, too. We've We've had some injuries we've had to kind of battle through. But the reality of it is, it's like, you know, we expect Mike Leach to go out there and say, well, we'll coach, go coach a football team, go win a bunch of football games. And then we get our feelings hurt. Because uh, we think that somebody else's feelings may be hurt because of something said in a press conference. I, I guess that I was raised differently than a lot of other people. You know, I, I, have, I had a father that believed in accountability. And if you work for him, if you ever worked for Farmers Home Administration in the state of Mississippi, you, you knew my dad. My dad did not cut corners. So as a result, his kids did not cut corners. If he told me to do something and I didn't do it, there was responsibilities. There were consequences. There was accountability. And, you know, when I played sports, you know, it was kind of a similar situation. My dad didn't spend a lot of time watching me, but it was like, you know, if he found out that I did something or I didn't do something or I wasn't maybe giving a coach my best effort, I would hear from him. If I wasn't making good grades, I'd hear from him. If I went out there and cut the grass and, and just kind of half did it, I'd hear from him. So I was raised with that. And, it, and you know, here's the thing, too. Freddie Robertson didn't really care about my feelings, especially if it was something like this. It's one thing, you know, hey, something happens in life. You know, you have some tragedy in life. Yeah, he cared about that sort of stuff. He did. Had a very loving side, too. But when it came to work and responsibility, that's the, those are, the, those are the, the attributes that I was raised with. You know, it's like one of the things that I hold most dear in my life is uh, I believe it was my sister that found something that my dad had written for Thanksgiving. And uh, it was something on a church, like you had to write this thing down, what, what you're thankful for. And my dad wrote, 
I'm thankful that my mother and father taught me the value of work and not to shirk my responsibilities. I should probably get that tattooed somewhere. But I have a picture of that. And so the responsibilities of our kickers are to make field goals and to get quality punts and to get kickoffs. That is their only job. That's it. And so if they're not getting it done, then they're shirking the responsibility. And we've got to find somebody that is. I'm glad that Mike Leach is saying, you know what, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes to get these field goal kicking situations resolved. If that means that we got to go out here and light a fire to these guys and they're going to do it or we're going to find somebody else, that's how life works. And so I don't understand a lot of the angst from people about that. They're like, oh, well, you know, those kids are just working so so darn hard. I mean, I hate for them to get their feelings hurt. Let me tell you something. If you think that those guys have had their feelings hurt, you had not been around football very long. That ain't the first time they've had some coach jump in them. And listen, I know that I'm going to get some direct messages saying, Steve, you know, I thought he was out of line. You know what? You're welcome to your opinion. I just don't agree. I don't agree. And I'll submit to you that anybody that's ever worked for me won't agree with you either. Because the reality of it is, is we're hired to do a job. And if we're not doing it, somebody else will. You know, I used to have uh, a guy that I worked for used to tell me, he said, you know, I'd rather have a hole than a butthole. Because then I knew what I was dealing with, right? <clears throat> I'd rather be, be short-staffed than have to deal with somebody causing problems or, or causing the team, you know, to lose. And so I'm not in any way suggesting that's the case with these guys because they're, they're all great guys. But my point being is that, you know, what does it do to the morale of a team? No matter what they say publicly, no matter what they say in interviews, no matter what they say on social media, when they drive down the field and we get us in field goal range and then we miss a field goal. Okay, if we miss it once, it's okay, it's part of the game. Let's go to stop. You don't think there were some disappointed Bulldogs in that locker room on Saturday? after we missed three field goals and lose a game by three that would have wrapped up bowl eligibility and probably helped push us to a warmer bowl? You don't think that? They won't say it, but you don't think they believed that? You don't think there were people that were upset about that? And so what is Mike Leach supposed to do? So I got a couple guys over here that missed some field goals, and so I don't want to hurt their feelings, so let me, let me hurt everybody else. You know, if I'm on that team, I'm thinking, you know, hey, I'm kind of fired up. You know, it's like, hey, at least we're doing something. At least we're trying to fix a problem. And don't think that Mike Leach is a complete madman. Mike Leach understands how that message is received by those guys. And, again, those guys are going to work hard to compete. They're the best we have. And there's a reason. They weren't the only two kickers that showed up, guys. You know, we have a half dozen kickers or more every year to try to walk onto this team every single spring and every single fall. And then we keep the best ones. Maybe we hadn't always made the best of decisions. But the reality of it is there has been no shortage of guys that have come to kick. And then the guys that you have are the guys that won that competition. And one of the things that I firmly believe is that competition makes everything better, makes everybody better. You could sit around and get fat and satisfied, but you don't have anybody competing. The next thing you know, somebody comes up there and starts uh, telling you how to cow eats a cabbage. 
you get somebody eating your lunch a little bit, you got one or two options. You can quit or you can get better. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. Great place to live. I told you guys if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. I absolutely would. Portico, a great place for sure. Portico, very easy to find. You turn off of 82 on a 12. You take the first right on the Patch Station Road. That'll take you right to Portico. You got a two-bedroom, two-bath house option. You got four-bedroom, four-bath option. And here's the cool thing. Right now, phase two, we're getting ready to start construction out there. So you can pick out your lot, and then you can pick out your plan. So you can have some say. Because how many times do you move into a house and say, you know what, I like everything with this. I wish we had more of this. Well, that's the thing, is you can kind of get that done now. And so for some of you, this is your primary residence. Perhaps it is an investment property. Or maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat place. Maybe you say, we're going there. We're going to keep all our game gear there so we don't have to haul it back and forth. All of our tailgate stuff is going to be there. Makes it easier. Go by, check them out. You'll be glad you did. Let me, let me give you some, some inside information here. Reach out to our friend, our mutual friend, Brooks Bryan. Guy has worn the M over S, helped us get to Omaha. Guy that's invested in Starkville, invested in Mississippi State. Guy, he's true maroon, man. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs. You should as well. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Portico, an absolutely great place uh, to live and get some more information. You know, maybe you're not ready to make the decision. Maybe you're the one in your family that wants to move here and you've got to do you know, maybe come up with some talking points to talk your significant other into coming. Brooks can help you with that. You'll be well-equipped for that conversation. Maybe get some information, lay it on a coffee table, and say, hey, you know, we've always talked about doing this. Let's start really getting serious. Brooks can give you all the information you need. Again, Brooks Bryan, I'm my friend, your friend, Mississippi State's friend, 601-416-8075. All right, this moment in Mississippi State history, of course, brought to you by Portico. You know, we have had some really good games against Auburn over the years, and I'm going to save a really special one for Friday. But, uh, you know, one of the games that I want to go back to is probably one of those games a lot of people maybe maybe didn't expect us to win. Maybe they didn't, but uh, we did win that ball game. You know, it's like there are just so many games that, that kind of come to mind when I think about this series. And, um, you know, we have won some games at Auburn that perhaps some people didn't expect us to win. And I want to go back to 1997. Some of you young bucks won't remember Damian Craig. But Damian Craig was a monster for Auburn. I hated playing against that guy, man. I mean, like, he was such a playmaker. And it just, you know, I don't know that he gets enough respect in, in hindsight. But Damian Craig was a guy you, should, you didn't want to play. I mean, you just you didn't want to have to play against that guy. But we made him look pretty bad this day. I mean, they, they had the first drive. They come out there. The next thing you know, we, uh, we get him hemmed up here. And uh, Jeff Walker comes through with a big punt. We get him down to the Auburn ones. They've kind of got to drive out of there. Of course, they're very, very conservative. And uh, go three and out. So great job by the Bulldog defense. Made on a fourth and sixth play, they, uh, they punt 55 yards. Robert Isaac the pride of Macomb, Mississippi, uh, returns it to the Auburn 46. And uh, Matt Wyatt ends up punting here. We can end up being kind of trading punts with these guys for a while. And uh, we pick off Damian Craig at the Auburn 23. 
it's just again we've had the battle of punts for a while and then we get it picked off there and uh, we cash in on the short field Brian Hazelwood kicks a field goal three uh, nothing state late in the first quarter you're thinking okay all right it's, it's a decent start well Bulldog defense wasn't done with Damian Craig. We get after him a little bit more, have a big sack on the next drive that, that leads to another punt. And um, and so it's just kind of, you know, one of those deals we kind of look at this thing and uh, they decide to go for it on their next drive on a fourth and one. Fourth and one at the state seven. Rather than kick the field goal, they go for it. And then Damian Craig fumbles the football. And we recover. Fourth and one, he acts, we had the first down, fighting for extra yardage. Fumbles the football, we recover. We run out the quarter. And again, it's like Damon Craig's having a tough day. Well, again, it's a punt. It's just, you know, it's like we just couldn't get anything going offensively on this day. Damon Craig comes back, has a pretty good thing. And the next thing you know, they're driving down the field. And you, they last time they were in the Mississippi State red zone, we force a fumble. Well, they get down there again. They're about to take the lead, or so they think. Damon Craig is picked off by Anthony Derricks, who takes it 90 yards to the house. Second and seven from our 10. Derricks, 90 yards for a touchdown. You can find a clip of that on YouTube. Uh, makes it a 10 nothing Mississippi State ball game midway through the second quarter. Kind of a crazy thing happens again. There is a, uh, you know, a fumble, you know, snap. It's like Damian Craig and those guys just could not get on schedule that day. Uh, we get the ball back. Start running some things down, running some clock down. We uh, actually get a, uh, a third and eight if they're 29, and we're thinking, okay, we've got a chance here. And then Hazelwood converts on the field goal to make it 13-0. So it's still a two-possession ball game, but offensively, you have not been able to finish drives. We've got a couple field goals, and so you've got some room to breathe, but it's kind of like that Arkansas game last week. It just seemed like 13-0 just didn't seem like enough. So a little bit later, uh, we get – Auburn backed up, and there's a three and out. Defense is playing well. And, it's again, it's punt and punts and punts and punts and punts. And uh, Auburn actually has a 62-yard punt down to our second late in the half that uh, Matt Wyatt basically has to go out there and just kind of run into the line to avoid us getting a safety. So we hit the locker room with a 13-0 lead. We come out in the second half, and it's just more of the same. State punts, and then Auburn punts, and then state punts uh, excuse me this one we actually had Matt Wyatt was intercepted by Jason Bray they return it down to the state 37 Woodbury on the tackle one of our more underappreciated receivers as an athlete and so again Auburn a chance to climb back into the ball game but again your Bulldog defense is like nah not gonna happen first and 10 at our 37 it's a two-yard gain and then they they fumble the football and get back on it Brings up a third and seven. Incomplete. They decide to go on fourth and seven. And then Kendall Robertson steps in and picks it off at the MSU nine. They lay it up there trying to get a call. Doesn't work out. We pick it off. And again, the Mississippi State defense just really, really hammering Auburn here. And a really good quarterback. We punt again. <laughs> and then again, there's it's a, it's a crazy thing here. On third and eight on Auburn's next drive, there's another fumble. <laughs> 
It's ridiculous. And Eric Brown recovers the fumble for us, one of Mississippi State's best defensive players of that, of that era. And then guess what we do? We go down and we have it, uh, you know, we kind of give it back to them. It's third and one of the Auburn 17, a chance to really kind of put the game away. And we fumble. And uh, Auburn recovers. And so that runs out the third quarter. And so now, again, you're looking up here at the, and you're thinking, we, we have shut them out. We have really done a good job kind of closing this thing out. We need to run some clock. And uh, we have a chance to go up three scores. And Auburn wouldn't let that happen. Again, we drive down the field, come up and attempt a 51-yard field goal, and it's blocked. Brian Hazelwood attempts that. Of course, you, you make that, it pretty much ends the ball game in many respects. But uh, they blocked the field goal at their 34 Auburn then has a chance to uh, to climb back in this thing, drive down the field, put a great drive together, and they get, again, into the Mississippi State red zone, second and seven at our 10, and uh, they throw at Kenzaki Jones, the inventor of the dog pound rock, incomplete. Damon Craig drops back to pass. Izell McGill steps in front at the State 5, picks it off, takes it back 27 yards. Some of that return is nullified. Again, we three and out, we punt, but the clock is not Auburn's friend here. So now it's first and 10, Auburn trying to get something going, and the Bulldog pass rush just kind of forces him into some mistakes. They have to turn it over on downs. Four and a half minutes to go, and this is, the, the, this is where State finally breaks through offensively. We finally have them on the ropes and put them away here. J.J. Uh, Johnson doing the honors here, runs 38 yards on a first and 10 to put this thing away. Hazelwood's attempt is good, makes it a 20 nothing ball game. At that point, Auburn people were hitting the bricks. Uh, fourth and 10 on the final drive of the game for Auburn, Damian Craig is sacked. So we made a great player look very, very pedestrian. Go back and look at these numbers. Matt Wyatt, 10 of 19 for 135 yards and one interception. Sacked just once. Damian Craig, 20 of 54, 270 yards, four interceptions, one of them a pick six, two sacks, and then in, the, in addition to all the fumbles. Uh, you know, so a great game for us. And again, a lot of people didn't expect us uh, to win this ball game. We found a way to do it. And so that moment in history, again, brought to you by Portico. So Mississippi State wins that game uh, 20 to nothing. And Auburn had had our number for a while. You know, it's just one of those things we finally have a chance uh, to win that game. Our first win in the series since 1992. And those games in between, most of them were nearly not competitive. In 96, that Auburn team beat us 49-15. to And here's the cool thing. We win that game in 97. We won the next three in the series. 98, 99, and 2000. So a good stretch for Mississippi State. That's when we really thought we had taken the next step as a program because Jackie Sherrill had us regularly beating a team like Auburn. Pretty cool thing. We'll talk about another big win over Auburn on Friday. I want to thank you guys for your support. And uh, listen, you guys have been so great to me over the years. And uh, much of what I have today, I owe to you. I want to thank you so much for your support of me and Mississippi State. If you had not done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and you can order the book today. Still no shipping date. And uh, we're hopeful that you're going to get it before Christmas. They're still negotiating all that. It's been, uh, it's, it is a huge problem for me. I'm very stressed about this because I, I finished writing the book August 26th. I did my part, and I'm waiting for everybody else to do theirs. And so once I know, I will tell you. 
If you uh, if you want Flim Flam uh, Stark Villains or Alpha Dogs, you get signed personalized copies of that at dogpilotbook.com as well. And you can find Blooms of Oleander just about anywhere. You can find it online at Amazon. It's an ebook as well. Looking forward uh, to you guys having Dogpile. I'm ready to hold it in my hands too. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, you can find it at starkvillains.com. We look forward to being back with you guys on Friday. But until then, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.